0: Well, good morning and welcome again to another little podcast. You're listening to Rachel McCartain and this is The Plotting Shed. A very good morning to you. How are you? Uh, It's a very quiet weather day here down on the south coast of England. There's not a lot happening. We've had rather a lot happening. We've had a few lovely storms coming through, but today it's grey, dull, and there's not a breath of wind. It's one of those days where there's just no weather. So once again, I'm sitting here inside recording a podcast for you to listen to. I hope you enjoy it. As always, if you have any questions or queries, you can email me, rachel at plantplots.com. The podcast is also uploaded onto the website, which is plantplots.com. If you look for the plotting shed on our blog there, you will find this as boring gardens and how to avoid them part one. So obviously there is going to be a part two and the reason for that was that when I was initially writing this article about how you can try and change and make your garden less boring, less dull, you know, in easy ways, I thought there's actually too much information to go through in one post and and one particular podcast. So I've split it into two. This week then it's about just looking at how you can use plants to make the garden more interesting so very very simple low-cost easy ways to spruce up your garden and make it somewhere that you enjoy being in then next week we'll look at just more in terms of the design and the layout of the garden and again simple easy methods that you can apply to your garden so that you can change the place that you sit in and actually get more from it because let's face it you know gardens are supposed to be places that we really really enjoy being in and they should fill our senses and make us feel happy but so often they're not they're almost just like outdoor places with a few blobs and splodges of color and nothing happens and we just sort of sit there and and your mind isn't isn't encapsulated by the garden you you kind of still notice the world outside and the garden should be able to act as a sort of a i think the french word is a cordon sanitaire it's your little safe place outside it's your bubble of your world that's close to your your house that makes you feel enclosed and safe and enjoyable and it's it's the place that's yours where the outside world is there but it's not really invading in and all too often gardens aren't really like that they're just places where you sit before we look at actually how to make your garden less boring we need to actually understand what boring is Because again, if we don't know what's causing the problem, we can't find a solution to fix it. So I looked up the definition of boring, and one of the dictionaries said boring is, the definition of it is, it's so lacking in interest as to cause mental weariness. There is nothing in the garden that stimulates you. There is nothing that captures your interests. And so you can't feel anything with the garden and i mean humans with you know we we are driven by our emotions we make decisions based on emotions we have thought processes based on emotions everything we do is an emotional response to something and so if you want your garden to be a place that you enjoy being in more you have to create emotions so what's the best way to create an emotion and that's to actually stimulate your senses. So by doing so if you have something in your garden that stimulates your sense it will automatically draw your attention to it. You notice what's in the garden and hopefully if that's pleasurable then your garden will give something to you emotionally and that by that very definition it will not be lacking in interest anymore. So how do you make gardens create emotions? Well, first thing that you need to remember is that boring gardens aren't designed. Boring gardens evolve. They happen over time. They happen because you originally planted this beautiful plant in the corner, but maybe it's died off and you just haven't replaced it. Or that you just haven't had the time in the garden this year because you've got busy with work and you're busy maybe with the children or you've got other activities. And so things are looking a bit tired and they haven't flowered as well because they weren't pruned or cut properly and so the garden isn't able to produce the display that you wanted to so over time it creeps up this sort of this level of dullness i suppose over time because it takes effort to keep the garden looking interesting and looking nice nobody goes out as i said to design something that's boring and it just, it just happens. So what you need to do is take a stock in, of, of where your garden is. If having listened to this podcast, you then go and wander out into the garden, what I want you to do is just to walk into the garden and shut your eyes. And then just open them. And decide what it is that captures your attention. And you might find that actually it's nothing in the garden. It might be something, a building in the distance. It might be the tree that's over in the field in the corner. And that's telling you there's nothing in your garden that actually makes you want to look at it. So you need to introduce things, and you can do that very simply and very easily with plants. And it doesn't need to be particularly expensive. So, what are we looking to do? If you're going to stimulate your senses, There are four easy ways that you can do that. One is introducing movement. The second is introducing smell. The third is concentrating on touch and texture. And the last one is color. So if we just look at those, movement. Now our eyes are amazing feats of evolutionary engineering and there we are genetically and biologically pre-programmed to notice things that move so if your garden is full of large big shrubs that don't move much and fences that don't move much and and walls or buildings that also don't move much your eyes are going to notice less so what you need to do is to introduce plants that will move candidates for that are tall willowy soft things like tall grasses for something like something like that because you want plants that will sway and move even in the slightest breeze because in most gardens especially modern gardens these days a lot of them are in in housing estates they're very urban you're surrounded by solid static large blocks of, of, of buildings any small amount of movement will stand out even more you'll notice it more But when you've got your plant, see if you can sight them also where maybe they cast shadows so that, again, when the sun's shining, not only if you've got the plant moving in the wind, you can see the shadows playing on the walls as well. Again, it's creating movement to create interest. Use plants that flower on taller, thin stems, again, so that they move and dance in the breeze and group these together makes it more impactful it's like a sort of a a troop of dancers in the garden all all doing their thing but another way you can create movement as well is to use the movement of light for example in my garden now I'm a a bit of a bit of a magpie I I accept but I like sparkly shiny things and so in various parts of my garden I have uh, those small little mirrored balls and I just have them popped in places or hanging on a piece of wire or, or hanging off a tree or something. And when the sun catches the little squares of mirrors on the wall, obviously that light gets bounced around the garden. And actually when it falls on a white wall, what you get is the image of the sun reflected on the on the wall. So you just get nice little movements and plays of light and it just makes the garden feel more alive. So it's a very, very simple Way of automatically and instantly adding interest to the garden. The second element is smell, and scent has sadly become one of the least important factors when people seem to be going to choose plants. We seem to be advertised and, and sold to and, and extolled the benefits of the size and the colour of the flower rather than what it smells like. Now, you will, if you remember where you went on holidays, or you went to people's houses, or your grandparents' gardens, or something, you might have walked in, and there was, a, there was a plant that smelled. Now, every time you smell that in the future, you will remember the holiday or the past memory, because scent is a fantastic way of evoking those sorts of feelings. In fact, I would go so far as to say that in In a small garden, you shouldn't be putting any plants in there if they only have one particular display mechanism, i.e. a flower. If it doesn't smell nice, you shouldn't be actually putting it in the garden anyway because in a small garden, every plant has to work hard. So it needs to have at least two or three sensory boxes ticked in order to make it into your garden. And just by walking into the garden then, or sitting down or sitting on the patio, if you're hit by scent, it automatically it helps you feel good about your garden. In terms of scent, however, what you also need to consider is scent all round the year and nighttime scent. So there are plants that flower in the winter, and very often these ones have very, very strong perfumes in order to attract the very few foraging insects that are around, a great one is sarcococca uh, which is one of my favorite of all plants because it's almost indestructible it's really really well behaved it grows in in the shade it can also grow in the sun it has tiny sort of small very green glossy leaves it doesn't do anything apart from be a green a green bush but in late december early january your garden has will be filled with the most stunning scent it's Glorious you need to have scent for the winter times, so you need to have a got a plant that does that, but also think as well about plants that release scent at night time Now, a very simple one in the summer are is stock, not you know nighttime stock, which you can sow as seed around the garden. It's not a particularly pretty plant. But you can just sow it and it will just sort of grow in amongst pots or various things. But again, you'll get the scent released in the evening when you might be using the garden more. Right. Another element that you need to consider, again, putting into a small garden is touch. You know, we are tactile creatures. Humans are very tactile creatures. Babies learn the world around them by touching things and by tasting things. That's how they make sense of the world. And so do we. Now, how nice would it be if you can walk into your garden, however small it is, and all the plants around are nice to, for you to feel it. They're nice to run your hand over. Or when you run your hand over the plants, you release the perfume. On top of that, you've also got edible leaves and edible flowers. The use of herbs, obviously, you can then bring in, into the house for cooking or you can just munch them. But there are also edible flowers, things like nasturtiums. That you can sit and eat and you can add them to salads and what you're doing is you're connecting the garden the outside with how you use and what you do inside so again it's all just adding interest you're you're binding the two together as opposed to it just being this place outside the patio doors now lastly I've left the sort of the main element of making gardens interesting to the last which is which is looking at colour and Colour is something that a lot of people believe that if we put lots of colourful things in the garden, it's automatically going to be far more interesting. The common mistake regarding the use of colour in the garden is actually to use too much colour. And what happens is that your brain kind of gets overloaded by the noise of too many colours. And so it, it's very good at filtering out information it doesn't process or it doesn't want to process. Your brain will tend to notice the simpler things and it will sort of filter down the noise of, of the colourful flowers. So you will end up noticing the fence behind the flower or the shed in the corner or the bin that's stuck over there. So what you need to do with colour is to think how you're going to use it. And you can either use complementary or you can use contrasting colors. Now if you go on the Plotting shed blog you'll see some pictures and images of the, of the posts that I've put on and, and some of the color contrasts and how well they they can work together but you've got to choose whether you're going to either complement or contrast. If you do both you end up with a bit of a mess. Dominant color in the garden is generally going to be green and to that you'll add probably no more than two colors. But you can add the shades of colour in between so you can have various hues of blue or various hues of green various hues of yellow but try and not to have more say red blue green and orange because it will begin to look a little bit messy try and just have two colours and and just different accents of the same colour i'm a firm believer in having um, what i call look at me plants in the garden especially in a small garden Bright colours make you notice them. But you don't want so many bright colours in the garden. What you want to have are a few strategically placed, look at me plants, popped around the garden. Because then your eye will automatically try and find them in the various places. Now, they don't have to be the same plant, just the same colour. They also have a benefit as well that... Having these plants that demand and capture your attention placed in the garden, you can put them in places that draws your attention away from the less attractive parts of the garden. And so they act as a bit of a decoy if you've got an ugly corner. You can make a better look-at-me corner over here and you will notice that far more. Just by sitting and thinking a little bit about the plants and and why you want to put them in your garden and how and what you're using them for, you'll make better choices as to the plants that you put in your garden. That way then you feel more connected with the garden and the garden gives you something. It gives you something in the way, for example, of a scent that produces a memory or a happy thought or it produces a nice happy feeling because you're touching something that makes you that that feels nice. And all of those very simple things will actually create a far more interesting garden for you and one that you will enjoy being in. Your garden will make you feel good and boring will disappear into the background. So next week, as I said, I'm going to do a podcast about actually the design layout and how little changes can make even a small garden more interesting. And again, we're all I'm very much focused on not it not being expensive changes. We don't have thousands of pounds available for garden design, most of us. So this is, how can you make it affordable, simple, easy, practical? So uh, hopefully I, you will tune in next week. In the meantime, I will be, I have now sent my book off to the publishers, as I said last week. So I've just had all the style sheets back in as to how the book is going to be laid out so i'm now up to my eyeballs and deciding font styles and font sizes and font colors and how we do this and what background colors can be which i'm not very good at when it comes to book publishing that's another new learning curve but hopefully we'll get that underway and then the book will be set up which is all very very exciting so i can't wait to to see what that looks like in a few weeks time you've been listening to me and rachel McCarshane at the plotting shed Uh, again if you want to email me please do it's rachel at plantplots.com or you can pop a comment on our website plantplots.com or you can put something on the facebook page um i'd love to hear from you drop us some pictures send us some pictures of your garden you can ask a question and i look forward to seeing you next week bye bye for now